one of the most prominent doctrines in the New Testament, narrowing it down even further in the dispensation of grace in which we live, is God's premium he places on the church, the body of Christ. And not just in general, but specifically on the uniqueness and the peculiarness of the gathering together of the saints and what ought to be going on when that takes place. Yet all too often, that wonderful doctrine isn't possessed by the church and the individuals that make it up. They don't have God's love for the church. This manifests itself in numerous ways. But this is what I want to look at in this week's episode, is I want to take a look at what hinders us. What hinders us from possessing that doctrine and that deep love for the church, the body of Christ, and the gathering together of the saints. So we're going to take a look at what is the church. We're going to take a look at what hinders us from possessing and holding on to God's perspective of the church, as well as some possible false expectations that we have of the church today. Welcome to the weekly Wholesome Words podcast, where we examine the sound doctrine in God's word for the specific purpose to know Christ, gain the renewing of our mind, and to prove his will in our lives that all things would work together for his purpose. I am Josh Strelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this episode to deal with the wonderful doctrine of the love that we are to have for the church, the body of Christ, and to function as the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. Over the past several years, really the past couple years, I've had numerous conversations with pastors and teachers, as well as members of churches, local assemblies, local churches. These conversations have been with leaders of churches within those that are mid-acts dispensationalists as well as those that aren't. And one of the common things that is found wanting in churches, whether they're mid-acts dispensationalists or there are brothers and sisters in Christ who believe other words, is that there isn't held within them the love for the church, the love for the church, the body of Christ, and the desire and love for the gathering together. It's what I want to address here in this podcast is to take a look at this. So we're going to first talk about what is the church? Whose church is it? What is it comprised of? And what is its purpose? And then I want to talk about briefly three possible hindrances for our lack of desire for the church, the body of Christ, and its gathering together, its assembly together. First of all, what is the church? Well, we know from the scriptures that the church is comprised of those that are justified by grace through faith in Christ's redemptive substitutionary work on the cross of Calvary. 
that he died on the cross to pay for the debt and penalty of man's sins, was buried, rose again victorious over sin and death, and to offer the forgiveness of sins by as a gift to be received by man. It's unto all and upon all them that believe. Those that are blood-bought by faith in the work of Christ, by faith in the faith of Jesus Christ, are those that comprise the church, the body of Christ today. Therefore, as you go through the scriptures, you will find that we are the children of God. We are the household of faith. We are part of the family of God. That is who the church is. See, all too often we think about the church in regards to a building, in regards to programs, in regards to everything that a church could possibly offer the, these secondary things that we identify as the church and we neglect or forget or don't hold in high esteem the very fundamentals of what the church is or who the church is. The church is a body. It's a body of believers in Christ's salvation and, justify, and, and, and justifying provision by his death, burial, and resurrection. And therefore, when we begin to describe and begin to look into and examine our love and desire for the church, we ought not liken it to what a church can offer. It's programs, it's worship service, and this, that, or the other. The building itself with all of its adornment and beautification. But rather, that are there those there that have believed in the gospel and who know what the gospel is. For that is what the church is. And therefore, there could be big churches, churches that are have many in number who believe the gospel. And not only that, but there can be small churches, those that are less in number, that have believed those individuals who have believed the gospel. But there's also a misunderstanding of what the church is supposed to do. This too often gets neglected in all that it gets caught up into and gets carried away with. Usually because the church desires to be a respecter of men, to please men, to try to get them in the door and therefore corrupt what they are to be as the church in function. We know therefore from the scriptures and from the epistles of the New Testament that specifically Paul's epistles that the church is comprised of those that have believed the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God. And that as such, they're the church of the living God because they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. However, that church of the living God is supposed to function as the pillar and ground of the truth. And therefore, the church in function is focused on truth. This often, at best, gets clouded and, and corrupted and perverted and altered and changed 
by, again, compromising the truth for inspirational and motivational speeches. This is manifest in many ways. One, a a condensing of the preaching and teaching of God's word. We make excuses that the world and the people in today's world cannot receive an hour of teaching, which is not true. We can sit down and listen to certain individuals and have a conversation upon hours. And when it comes to the preaching and teaching of God's word and the conversing of God's word in our minds and the engagement of it, we can't do that? No, that's an excuse. I'm not saying there isn't a balance, but when you see a church who condenses its function, its calling to be the pillar and ground of the truth and neglect Paul's exhortation and charge to Timothy to preach the word, to preach the word, because there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, is to not compromise to the point where they don't have to endure anything. It's to continue to preach the word of God. And so we see an identity. The church is those that have believed the gospel. And in function, it's those that are the pillar and ground of the truth that preach the word without compromise. They preach the word. Now, you can get into the various forms of doctrine and sound doctrine. Uh, and that isn't our objective in this episode. But that is what the church is in identity. And that is what the church is in function. And we see this in the testimony of Scripture when we read and when we study it. As those that are part of the family of God, as those that have been bought with a price, and those that are His, those that are God's, those that are Christ's, those that are no longer in Adam, but in Christ, we must understand that God has a great love for us. Much more than he had when we were yet sinners. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we don't sin, but we're no longer identified as sinners. We're no longer identified as in Adam. He has a greater love, much more love for those that are his. He's the savior of all men, but especially to those that believe. He reserves his love and his kindness and his instruction and his spirit to those that have believed the gospel. And by the abundance of his grace that he bestows upon us, that we come to learn of in his word, we see plainly and clearly that he loves his sons and daughters. He loves us dearly. We see that he is patient we see that he is long-suffering in this process of edification and sanctification because although we have been saved from the penalty of sin, we have not yet been saved from the presence of sin, and therefore we are in the process of being saved from the power of sin. Therefore, we still sin, we still mess up, we still uh, uh, commit iniquity, things that don't please God, things that can grieve the Spirit of God. 
Things, therefore, that need his correction and his reproof, all indicators of his further love toward us. And it's in these things we see his deep and profound love for his sons and his daughters, for his church. Why is that so important to understand? It's so important to understand because we, therefore, are to have the same attitude, the same love for the church. We are to love the church more than we love others. It's not that we don't love others, but this love we are to have uniquely, uni- uh, 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 in a peculiar way for those that are a part of the family of God. We see this in multiple passages. We, we see that we're not to be weary in well-doing, but to do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith in Galatians chapter 6. We see that Paul had a conversation in the world, but more abundantly towards the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We see the instruction that were given by the Spirit of God in Romans chapter 12 first starts with the church and then moves outside the church. To those that are outside the church, to those that are enemies, to the government in which we're under, to our neighbor in general. And so we see that there is a uniqueness. There is a intimate fellowship in regards to this family that we are to have. Based upon God's love toward us, we are to have that love towards others. We are to not therefore forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are therefore to come together. We see in Second Corinthians, sorry, First Corinthians, chapter eleven, and we are to come together for the better. For the better. We are to therefore be patient as he is patient. We are to therefore be long-suffering as he is long-suffering. We are to therefore bear each other's burdens as he bears our burdens. We are to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. We are to be bonded in love one toward another. This is what our attitude ought to be. We should be engaged in loving the word of God that transforms us and conforms us into the image of Christ from the inside out. In this life, in the inside, in the life that is to come outwardly manifest. And we should love those that are his, those that are a part of our family. This desire and this premium that we ought to place upon the church as God has upon those that are his can be reflected in a lot of uh, comments that I've received from others is that they love the church. They love the church. And they feel and they think and their understanding is such that when the doors are open, they ought to be there. And not just they ought to be there, they want to be there. And they're the ones that are there the most. They set aright their priorities towards the church. They lead their families and such, even if they have an unbelieving spouse. They influence their unbelieving spouse. And if they have a believing spouse, they lead them into a love for the church. For in the life that is to come, there will be no marriage. And therefore they lead their wife, they lead their children in these things. Now to end this episode, I want to 
talk about just three ways or three things that can hinder our affection and love for the church and the gathering together for the preaching of the word of God to build up this bond and this unity that we are to have with one another. One is what I just spoke about. We don't understand God's view of the church and the premium he places. He died. He died on the cross, was buried and rose again to form and to build this church for the church, the body of Christ. And therefore, his love is such that it is much more to the church. If it is that way in him, ought it not be in us? Two, we are exhorted and instructed to not be conformed to this world. The conformity of this world and the pursuance of this world and the seeking the things of this world take away the joy, the pleasure, and the love that we are to have for the preaching of the word of God and the fellowship of the saints. It takes away from that worldly lusts and affections for the things of this world take away from the premium that we ought to place upon the church, the gathering together of the saints and the preaching of the word of God. And three, false expectations. Because we don't understand what the church is, we have these false expectations. We look for the things that are at best secondary. We place and give more weight to those things than put the weight on where it ought to be, and that is the truth, the preaching of the truth, and the saturation of that in all that that church does. We might look at programs and that they don't offer enough programs. And really, if it's a smaller church and you are a part of that church, you should be looking in regards to the instruction of how you can serve and how that you can profit spiritually and and functionally in that church to propagate the preaching of the word of God and the building up of the body of Christ and the perfecting of the body of Christ. And so my hope and prayer is that these things would not characterize you. These things would not characterize any of us. That we would not be conformed to this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we would know and understand God's view of the church and hold and possess that and continue in that and therefore set aright our priorities for the gathering together of the saints, the preaching of the word of God, and be at the church not in a legalistic way, but in a knowing God's view of the church, I possess that view. And three, that we would examine the scriptures and understand what is the important thing in regards to the church and therefore be expecting that but not have false expectations that would sway us away from the church. Well, I hope this provided some insight and understanding to this matter and that we truly would gather together for the better, that you would esteem and value as much as God did in Christ when he shed his blood so that he might build the church, the body of Christ, that we see this love pattern in the Apostle Paul when he would describe the saints as his joy, his joy, they're his crown of rejoicing and see too of the preeminence that the word of God ought to have in our lives 
and the like-mindedness and unity that we are to have with the church when we gather together and the word is preached and taught that we would have a love therefore to participate in that until the next week in the next week's episode of weekly wholesome words Josh like you pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship until then look up